The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Welcome to Pilgrimage of the Heart Interviews. Join us as we explore fascinating people and ideas in the world of yoga. This is Sue Jantra, and today our guest is David Gandelman. And I first met David when he approached us about offering some free meditation classes at our yoga studio here in San Diego as he was on a tour through the U.S. and was lucky enough to have a nice lunch uh, one day that week with him. And David has a website called groundedmind.com, and he offers a unique guided meditation program, um, and as he says, to teach you new tools each week to create a space for a peaceful, creative, and happy mind. So uh, thanks for joining us, David. Yeah, thank you for having me, Chintanshan. It's great to hear your voice again. Yeah, good to hear you. And for our listeners out there, can you tell us how, at this point, you're now traveling around, you're teaching meditation, you've got some great tools uh, we'll be talking about, but how did you first get into the practice of meditation? Sure. I actually started pretty young. I was 16 years old, and um, my brother came home from college, and he looked at me and he said, David, you have never read a book in your life. <laughs> and he dragged me to a Barnes & Noble, and he just let me pick any book. And I walked around, I picked up a random book. Uh, it happened to be called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, which now is a huge book, right? He's probably the world's most popular meditation teacher. But at the time, he wasn't. And um, I literally, I got home, I opened up the book, I read two, three pages, and then it was like a light bulb in me just turned on. And it was a, it was a total shift. I was a different person after that moment. And there was nobody in my family that meditated. There was no one that was spiritual or religious. Um, there was no leading of, of that whatsoever. I grew up on the East Coast, just outside of New York City, and I probably didn't need another meditator for five years after that. But uh, I started adamantly just reading book after book, everything I could find on meditation, on spirituality. And I just had these kind of awakening experiences that very naturally came to me. And in that regard, I feel really lucky because there was no filter of other people's points of view or teachers. And it was just very much my own uh, experience for a number of years. And I just really got deeply into meditation at that time and have never stopped. And, so and that and, was where I started. And, yeah. when, and when you talk about uh, that you were reading these different books and having, as you described, uh, w awakening experiences to our, to, our, yeah. to our listeners out there who are, are, maybe aren't that familiar with these types of experiences, how would you describe an awakening experience? Yeah, you know... Josh, that's a good question. I think the closer you come to something like that, the harder it becomes to describe. But I guess I would say 
um, I recognized at that moment that I was my mind was just living in the future. Just just ninety percent of my energy, of my awareness, of my attention was thought based, future based, a little bit past based, but as a teenager, mostly future. Um, you'll find uh, I've noticed anyway. A lot of younger people are very future based, and then a lot of older people tend to be very past based in their consciousness. And for me, at that moment, uh, I just recognized, wow, there's something called present moment. And it's here all the time, and it's something I was very connected with as a child. And I lost somehow, and just in the first few pages of this book, all he did was mention that. And literally just the mention of that, uh, something in me switched. And it was, it was something I think that was already there, but it just needed a little kickstart. Mm, that's a, that's um, a good so, description. Yeah, yeah, and thank you, Eckhart Tolle, for for that kickstart. <laughs> yeah, and so then spiritual kick. So, yeah. so then, discovering the power of now and that feeling, and then we fast forward, and the the things you're doing now, the programs you're creating, and the the website and the travels, all of that requires forward thinking or thinking about the future. So then, how do you now balance? this longing to be just immersed in the present with the future that you're envisioning? How, how, how do you do that? Yeah, and I think that's a really common question that meditators have. Is how do I build my business, grow my family, you know, uh, fulfill my dreams, and at the same time only be in the present moment because that's what my meditation teachers say to do. Right. Um, and, and what I would say to that is when you're planning the future – you're in the present moment, so you're aware. So you could be cutting an apple or you could be building a business. And either way, you can be totally present. Um, not that I am all the time. I think <laughs> as human beings, we all lose our space in a sense now and again. And then the art of meditation is coming back and kind of refinding your center. Um, and so if anything, being present helps in creating the future. For me, when I started meditating as a teenager, um, my grades shot up. I got into college. I ended up graduating, uh, luckily, from the best philosophy program in the country with honors. Mm. And my grades before I started meditating were terrible. And I had no attention span and I had no interest in uh, scholastic or otherwise. I was just kind of playing sports and, and that was it. And so... Um, yeah, for most people, I don't see a problem in that space. If you are someone that is very future-oriented uh, in your mental space, then the real shift happens when you recognize, okay, I'm not my thoughts, but I'm just having my thoughts, and there's a difference. Uh, but I would take it one step further, and this is kind of what I teach in my programs and in my workshops, that a lot of the thoughts that we're having, and most of us have way too many thoughts, um, that most of them don't even belong to you. So there's this like mental noise that's happening that we live in that is unprecedented. So if you lived a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, maybe your whole social circle circle was ten or twenty people, right? Now it's thousands of people, and the media is overwhelming, uh, and we're also sensitive, and so we're bombarded with endless mental energy and we experience it on the first person level of having endless thoughts. But what I like to teach people is you start to recognize most of those thoughts are not yours. 
and there's tools in meditation to start to clean the noise out of your head and then keep the thoughts that really do belong to you because uh, the thoughts that we have create the lives that we want, right? Um, it, a thought can create a building. It can create a car. It can create a business. So your thoughts are important, but if they're covered in weeds of all the noise of the world, then you're going to have a hard time pulling out the jewels. And so I, I think in meditation practice, a lot of times there's this kind of idea that thoughts are bad. You should be thoughtless. But um, if you're thoughtless, then you're just kind of a vegetable, right? What makes us human is we have this amazing ability to think. And to be a, good, a healthy meditator, you can move into thought and out of thought consciously and freely, almost like in yoga where you're, you become more flexible. Mm. And then you're free to have both. And in that space, you're a healthy, creative human being that's having a spiritual experience. Oh, that's a very nice, yeah. very nice way to put it. Now, for those, um, for our listeners out there who in, who connect through social media, do you want to tell us your take a moment and tell us your different um, social media oh, handles, yeah. how people can connect with you? Yeah, I, you know, good question. I think my uh, Instagram is just Grounded Mind Meditations, and Facebook is just Grounded Mind Page. Um, yeah, so and, they could totally find me on there. And then your mm-hmm. the website is groundedmind.com. Yeah, groundedmind.com, and then I also have a podcast, uh, which you're going to be on soon, right. uh, Energy Matters. It's, uh, the website is energymatterspodcast.com. Yeah. Okay, great. And so going in, back into your story, so you, you learn to meditate, you do the reading, and then you decide to share meditation and teach people meditation. And so what, what, um, how, how do you teach people to meditate? What, what, what tools do you use, sure. and, and how, how do you go about that? Yeah. So let me just preface it, Chajantra, with um, I lived in India for a long time. I lived in the Himalayas. I went to lots of teachers. Now, now, ho- now hold on, hold on. How long were you in the Himalayas? Uh, I spent a year up there. Wow. Up in the, up in just the... the yeah. The, in Rishikesh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Meditating mm-hmm. and learning and... Meditating, learning, visiting, living in ashrams, visiting ashrams, uh, hiking up through the mountains. Wow. Okay. Um, so you really went for... I, yeah, I had a huge appetite for, for spirituality that was almost insatiable. Um, and so what I just wanted to say about that was a lot of meditation techniques were created, if we go to India, a uh, long time ago, thousands of years ago, where we had small social circles where sitting and watching your breath is enough, where saying a mantra is enough. Um, but those guys didn't have the mental energy that we're dealing with today that is pretty incredibly unprecedented. And so those techniques are incredibly valuable. I incorporate them, but I, I add to them. Mm. Um, so for, for example, um, I, I teach a lot of energetic techniques, I guess you can call them. One of those techniques would be to ground yourself. So um, you imagine, for example, an image of a tree growing out of the base of your spine into the earth and you connect yourself into the planet. Uh, techniques to have energetic boundaries with people. Uh, ways to let go of other people's emotions. You know, we're all sponges for emotion. 
particularly, I would say, if you have a female body, a little bit more. So you walk into a room and you notice the energy of the room. And for some of us, we just take in everybody else's emotions, stress, mental anxieties, and we don't recognize it. And then we walk out, we go home, and, and you can have almost like a psychic hangover from being with groups of people. And for anybody out there who's very sensitive, you might have experienced that where you don't like to go to parties anymore. You don't like to be in large social gatherings. You can't be around certain people. Um, and the reason is you're soaking up their energy. And so how do you continue to engage in the world and not have to take in everything around you energetically? So there's tools for that that you could work with. And then probably my favorite tool of all is how do you find your own answers in meditation? So there's a tool for that. How do you close your eyes and in your own awareness and reflection, make a decision? Is, does this relationship work for me? Where do I want to take my career space? What is my next spiritual step? Um, rather than a teacher needing to tell you or a book uh, or anybody else, can you find those answers for yourself? And for me, that's when meditation gets really exciting is when you watch people find their own answers and really start to grow from the inside out. Hmm. Yeah. And so if, uh, if I'm inspired by what I'm hearing, how, how do I embark on, on your program? How do I, how do I learn oh, from you? Sure. Um, so the, the online program that I created groundedmind.com, um, basically what it is, it's, I made it as cheap as I could. It's 10 bucks a month. The first month is free. So you can do the free part and then quit. It's a great deal. Uh, go for it. It would, be make, it would make you very happy if you just did four weeks of cleaning out the noise in your head, which is what we spend the first four weeks on. And so every week you get a 20 to 30-minute meditation uh, on Monday. You get a notification. It's right there in the website. You just log in. And so every week you learn a new tool like the ones I've been describing. Um, and then there's some other meditations for sleep and stress and uh, mornings. And, and so... I tried to make a program that we call it drip content. And the reason is, if I give you every spiritual teaching I have at once, it's going to be too much. You're going to eat it up too fast, or you're going to be overwhelmed and not at all. And so I found that you, just like if you were to go to a teacher at an ashram or a temple or a yoga studio, they don't teach you everything at once. And so you come back every week, you learn a little bit more, and then you go practice on your own, and then you come back again. Um, and that's how I teach in person and how I created the online content. And so to learn from you, uh, I don't have to be in your physical presence. This The um, the system you've developed, I'm going to get a, a download every week. I'll listen to that. Do I listen to the same download each uh, every day of that week? Is it like a guided meditation or what's giving me the, yeah. the guidance in my daily practice? Yes. So it's guided meditation once a week. There are others to supplement it. But my suggestion is you don't want to be guided all the time because then you're using me or some other teacher as a crutch rather than an inspiration. So you want to be guided some of the time and then you want to be on your own the rest of the time. And I always like to say that more discipline in the beginning, more intuitive practice later on. Mm. So for example, if you're someone who's got a terrible diet and no discipline and I'm a health coach, then you're going to, I'm going to put you on a short leash and you're going to need a very strict regimen to be checked up on all the time until you can get up on your own two feet. And then maybe when you're amazing at, with your diet, you can just eat intuitively. You just know what you want and don't. 
Um, but in the beginning, if you're a beginning meditator, you probably need more structure, more discipline, uh, more coaching, more guidance. And then you kind of, at a certain point, whatever that point is, you take off on your own, hopefully. Yeah. And, and um, in order to learn meditation, how do you suggest people do a certain amount of um, practice each day? And how, how much is that? You know, that's a great question, and it's a tough one to answer because, you know, for me, when I started, I was meditating two, three hours a day. And obviously, most people are not going to do that, but if you're someone out there that does start and it calls to you, do that. If you're someone that has 20 minutes a day, do that. What I would say is kind of tricky, but just try to do five minutes or 10 minutes. I don't really know if you're going to get the full benefit of meditation from doing something so short. So my suggestion is try to start with 15 minutes or 20 minutes, mm-hmm. time yourself, and don't get up until that timer is done. Because usually, right when things get a little difficult, a little difficult, we get a little frustrated, that's when we're about to break through. But if you don't time yourself, you hit that wall or hit that moment, hit that turbulence, and you go, oh, I got to get up. I have to go. Your mind will create some kind of excuse, and then you jump out of your seat and you take off rather than working through maybe what you're about to work through. So time yourself and do a little bit longer than you think you can or should. And in the here at our yoga studio in San Diego, I observe firsthand the popularity of yoga as a practice and the, the asanas. And I'm wondering what your experience out there is um, in terms of interest in meditation. Sure. I think that meditation will be as popular or close to as popular as yoga in the coming years. I don't know how many, but two, three, five years, it's going to really explode. Um, People think it already has, but I don't think it has yet. Uh, I just read in Forbes that American corporations spent a billion dollars last year on meditation, and I think they're going to spend way more than that in the coming years. They spent, did you say a billion dollars? A billion, yeah, over a billion dollars on meditation. And and how are they, how are they, I don't know if the article went into it, but um, how are they spending the money? Are they bringing in meditation teachers? Are they sending people to workshops? meditation teachers. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, mostly, I think it's all across the board. I don't think it went into that kind of detail, but meditation teachers, wellness programs, oh, I see. de-stressing. Right. Uh, the American Army is teaching meditation now. Uh, so it's becoming really, really popular, uh, but I don't think it's fully broken through yet. They say that, I just read an article that said uh, over 80% of American workers are stressed or overstressed at their jobs. So you have a, a, a population that's 80% stressed, and eventually they're going to have to recognize that medication isn't the only solution. And the next thing for a lot of people is going to be meditation of one kind or another to really deal with that mental noise that everybody is succumbing to. It's really exciting because when I started meditating 35 years ago in the early 80s, it was so so much less prevalent than it is now. And it's so great to see how much it's grown. And it's really nice to hear that you're feeling like it's going to explode even more. Yeah. And you're on the, uh, you're on the front end of that curve on the, you know, and I think (laughs) uh, when when people recognize that they need it, they're going to look around and they're going to go, well, who's been doing this the longest, who knows what they're talking about. But most of all, is there a practice that moves me and I enjoy? So what I found is a lot of people start to meditate, but they get bored, so they quit, or it's too hard. 
so they quit. Um, and the reason is we tell them, sit up, have your back straight, watch your breath, don't move. <laughs> and those are impossible things to do for people who can't have never done that before. And so in my kind of teaching and practice, I use a lot of comedy. I make jokes during meditation. I allow people to sit in whatever posture is comfortable. Um, I let them visualize, let go of stuck energy, let go of emotions, because the more advanced stuff that the yogis are teaching and talking about is hard to start with as a beginner. Um, and so I like to meet people where they are and then they'll get to that place at a certain point. But if you give them the hard task at first, they'll probably quit. Um, so just in my experience teaching all over the country and hundreds and hundreds of students, uh, that's what I found is you have to meet people where they are rather than where you want them to be mm. and then slowly guide them to whatever their potential is. And everybody is different in, in that regard when it comes to meditation. I think it's so important to acknowledge that, that we're all different and, yeah. and we all have need different um, uh, techniques and different um, areas of focus. And so... Oh my God, yes. And so I'm, um, I'm a listener out there. I'm inspired by what I'm hearing. And so what I'm going to do, I'll go to ground, groundedmind.com and I'll sign up for the free month. And then I'll get a download. I'll listen to it. And in that download is going to be... The, what I listen to is going to be all the information I need to um, yeah. get my daily practice going, and, and, and then I hear from you a week later and I listen again. Yeah, I, I hope so. And, uh, and hopefully some of you will go, let me find the most stressed person in my life and get, get this for them for Christmas. Right, Christmas. <laughs> Christmas gifts for, the, <laughs> for all the relatives. You can have get, yeah. David, David uh, come and through cyberspace <laughs> connect with them yeah, yeah. and 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 how um, how did your tour in the u.s go because i i met you when you were here in san diego i know you live in new york and so how yeah. how was your journey what did you find out there you know it, it was really amazing shijantra i've been all over this year I, I led a group to france for a few weeks uh i taught i went I taught in canada lake tahoe a, a few places in california new mexico Chicago. I spent some time in the mountains in Colorado. Over the, so the last couple of months, I've been moving around a lot. And what I've noticed is every place I've taught at, I ask the class the same question uh, in one form or another, which is, what do you want to create in your life? What do you want? What do you, what's your next step? What do you want? What, why are you here? <laughs> mm -hmm. Why are you in my workshop? And uh, the people in Toronto, 90% of them said financial. They wanted to create some kind of business or financial thing. Uh, people in Lake Tahoe were more mixed, and it was more about personal growth. And up in Los Angeles, everyone there was all about their creative space. There were filmmakers, musicians, artists. And so, you know, who's it for me to say meditation should just be about this one thing? What, what I learned from traveling and teaching was everybody has something different they're working on. So one person is trying to let go of a severe level of emotional pain. Another person is working on their creative space. Another person is working on uh, finding a relationship that fulfills them. And someone else is working on enlightenment and their, their path is spirituality and awakening. And for me to, just because mine is spirituality and awakening, doesn't mean it might necessarily is for them right away. Maybe their awakening happens in their relationship. Maybe it happens in their creative space. And so I've kind of found my, maybe my job is to help them find it in whatever way it is for them, not for me. 
and that takes practice and just working with lots of different people, I think, and recognizing how in one sense we're all the same and in another sense we're all so unique. And in that paradox as human beings, we are all working on finding our truth. And I think a teacher's job is you know, to recognize that when you're with a group and, and guide people inwards because really everybody has their own answers. And me and you as teachers, we're kind of just guiding them into themselves so they can reach those answers. You know? Right. Well, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, very well said. Well, David, the the um, I think the world's a better place for you uh, being out there, doing what you're doing, and sharing it with so many people. And I want to again encourage our listeners to check out groundedmind.com. And can you tell us your Instagram again, David? Yeah, sure. It says Grounded Mind Meditations. Grounded Mind Meditations. Well, David, it's been very nice having you on our program, and we wish you. Um, all the good fortune with all the good you're doing out there. Thank you so much, John Triton. It's a pleasure um, being on, having me on. I wish you guys all the best, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego, or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste.